Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Quartet Sunout Podcast once again. I'm Josh Shemanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, future jiu-jitsu world champion, Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about, boys. We got UC 284 to go over, UC Bay at 69 going on this weekend, as well as a bunch of news. As always, we're brought to you by two amazing sponsors. Rogue Energy and Elixir.com. Code sound off for both of them. You get 10% off. Rogue Energy has always been a long time uh, sponsor of the show, sponsor of the program. Keep the fuel up to go through the day, man. I've been, I've been actually doing a lot more work recently, and I've been able to do that thanks to being fueled up by Rogue Energy. On the opposite, opposite end of things, I understand that pretty much the entire country has fucking marijuana at this point. However, if you're in Delta A, you can go ahead and uh, go to Elixir. Got Delta 8, Delta 9, HHC. They got it all, boys. They got gummies, bakes, gels, joints. They got it all. And you can get it with code SOUNDOFF for 10% off. Well, Angel, last Saturday night, uh, UFC 284 going down at the RAC Arena in Perth, Australia. We knew going into this card that it was one of the biggest um, fights in, in, in UFC history, pound for pound number one versus pound for pound number two. We can kind of debate if Makachev kind of got, kind of got rushed a bit up there, but, um, nonetheless, that's what it was going in. This would be a fight for pound for pound status of number one. In a weird twist, Angel, Volkanovski loses unanimous decision 48, 47, 49, 46, but yet still he is pound for pound number one. Dude, first of all, so many so many thoughts coming out of this fight, very back and forth. What are your thoughts, man? Who, since it's been days since the fight, what do you think about it, and who did you think won on fight night? Look, we we talk a little bit in the in the green room about everything, and they kind of talk about the pound pound for pound thing to begin with, because I'd set it just a title. Uh, allegedly between these two guys, right? And obviously, you know, everybody and kind of how everybody saw it was pound for pound ranking on the line for this. It's very there is times like this, Josh, where a person loses and somehow their stock is capable of going up. Mm-hmm. This is one of those kind of rare times where Volkanovski lost the decision on paper, but his stock went up, which is really fascinating. Uh, we don't see that very often, and I think that was always a possibility, depending how he did. Granted, though, I think he exceeded some of our expectations. You know, I'm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. say it, Josh. Um, I, I thought he would do good, but I I, I didn't have like a hundred percent hope, a lot of faith. I just didn't didn't see how it could happen. Obviously, I had ideas. There were some thoughts in my head of probable outcomes, but none of them amounted to what happened on that night. Um, at the time, Josh, I'd like to say that I felt like it was a close fight. With how the fight ended, with the crowd, it felt like in the moment, like maybe Volk should have won because. The decision ended up bringing, uh, for Makachev. And at the time, what seemed like a criminal, what was it, 49-46? Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem, it's still pretty wild, but doesn't seem too crazy with how close the rounds were. Obviously, it left a sour taste in our mouth. 
Because it definitely, I think no matter what in the end, it should have been the 48-47 either way. And I texted you live during the fight. I'm like, Josh, no matter at this point, no matter the results of the fight, it will be controversial, I think, no matter what. There will be some sort of controversy uh, in some capacity. And on Little top, did you know, right? Like, yeah. not even just during the fight, but post-fight, damn. In post-fight, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other story of itself if, it, if, if I'm thinking about what you're thinking, Josh. Yeah, I mean, we'll <laughs> talk about that in a minute, but... um. Because there's, I mean, there's so much controversy coming out of this fight. I mean, the 49-46 card, I thought, uh, was incorrect, pretty clearly. I mean, I, and I will admit, on fight night, I did believe that uh, Volkanovski won. Um, I thought he, I thought it was 2-2 going into the fifth, and I thought he sealed it with the knockdown and nearly finishing in. Um, but e- even then, like, on fight night, I was still like, well, I could see it going that way. You know what I mean? Like, I, like, I thought, like, the first two rounds, you know... I thought, you know, first one was pretty clear to Makachev. Second one was close. I thought third one, Volkanovski won. Fourth round, Makachev won. Fifth round, Volkanovski won. Said so comes down to that second round, and I remember in the moment I gave it to Volkanovski. Now in hindsight, I'm like, you know what? Eh. You know, it, it's about as ready to close of a fight you're going to get. I understand that's not the that's not the thing a lot of people want to hear. Everybody wants to be like, oh, it's a robbery, yada, yada, yada. Even on fight night, I texted you, and I was like, fuck. They did it. They robbed him. And, you know, and I was like, you know. No, yeah, it, was, you know. it was a close fight. It was, it was a legitimately, this is one of those times where it's like, I've always argued, like, people are like, oh, it's not that bad of a robbery. And it was it was close, you know, but there, there are fights that are close and clear, and then there are fights that are just close. This fight was just close, you know what I mean? I mean yeah, and it, it was like I told you, I think there was a lot of factors in how the fight ended, right? The ending sequence and the crowd and everything and what was on the line and, and Volk's performance. It, 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 and it looked, Josh, I did feel coming out of it overall, right, and obviously fights aren't scored like, like that. It felt like both fun, won the fight in the moment. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people felt like that. Like if if you're not paying attention to the score and you're just watching the fight, I think Josh, you kind of come out thinking of it with the crowd, with everything, how the fight ends. I can see how everybody can feel that way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It really is a factor. Well, all of that played into it in some capacity, but it was a close fight. Like don't you know that no matter what, like I'm saying with with everything going on, that's I think that's that's why it felt like that. I think that's why everybody, a lot of people felt like that. I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people felt like what well, in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and in the moment, I still, and even in hindsight, you know, like, like I said, I, I I can understand it, but I still thought that rewatching the fight, I rewatched it um, once the day after. I still thought that Volkanovski won, um, but it was one of those fights where I was like, well, shit, extremely close. Now let's kind of go ahead and get into, like, the, the post-fight stuff. Oh man! Because goddamn, I mean, like, if they, like they were coming out of that that fight. I was like, well, I can see them rematching. Maybe they'll fight one guy in between, and maybe like maybe at the end of the no, these dudes are fighting next. Totally, one hundred percent. Just because like all this post fight controversy that's happening now, and um, specifically Dan Hooker came out and accused Islam of using an IV. Volkanovski in an interview actually conducted before that, he actually hinted that Makachev. He didn't say it directly. But he kind of tipped around, I'm like, yeah, yeah, he probably did, you know. Like, he kind of hinted that he did use the IV. Dan Hooker came out and said he did use the IV, um, which is illegal and can result in a six-month USADA suspension, uh, depending on – I mean, I'm sure there's other factors going into it, but we, just the general the suspension we've seen for guys in the past, like Paulo Costa, who have been caught doing it six months, generally speaking. Uh, he won't get stripped of the title or anything, but it is a big deal. It is a very big deal that he was caught using an IV, because I know that those are used for – rehydrating after a bad weight cut or so on and so forth. Some guys will use an, uh, an IV and I believe it's like 
hide, like, uh, whatever may be in their system. I, I don't know everything on that front, but I've heard some people say that. Um, it could flush some shit out, yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Thank you. Um, it could flush some shit out. So, yeah, it is illegal. And then uh, afterwards, I saw Ali Abdulaziz was accusing people of racism or something uh, for for saying this stuff about Makachev or whatever the fuck. And then uh, and then they people were pissed that you know Volk is number one still in the pound for pound rankings, and some people were like, oh, you know, what was the fight for and all that. And I, you know, coming out of the fight, I got to be honest, man, I really do think Volkanovski still deserves that number one ranking. I don't know. Uh, I think we saw by pure definition of pound for pound that he's the best pound for pound fighter on the planet. Because he's not a 155-pound fighter. And he took this unstoppable champion who, outside of one knockout loss like eight years ago, like seconds in, um, outside of that, he hasn't even, he's lost, he lost like one round. That was Armand Sarukian. Outside of that, he's been flawless. And for him, for Volkanovski to nearly beat him, fuck yeah, pound for pound number one. What do you think about that argument? No, I mean, yeah, it, makes, it, it, it makes sense. Like I told you, I said this during the show, Josh. It, it's crazy that his stock rose after that fight. Even with the loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, did you say it there? I mean, they need to run it back, right? They got to, right? At some point, they got to. Mm-hmm. Daddy, yeah. How do you feel about that? They got to. I mean, I think, like, like I said, I think um, after the fight ended, immediately afterwards, like, well, they both have business. Volkanovski has to fight Yair, and Benil Dariush has been waiting forever for a title shot. But then Benny got booked against Charlie Olives on Monday. And then Volkanovski said, hey, Yair, you can defend that title if you want. And then now there's all this controversy, and they keep on going back and forth. Like, all right, I've seen enough fighting. These there's, guys are going to fight next. You know, there, like. There's, there's, there's the stories there, man. It's, the seed has been set. Just water the plant. Exactly. Water the seed. Just water the seed. In the words of Joey Coco Diaz, the fucking seed, right? That's the fucking seed right there. You know? <laughs> like, um, definitely interesting, man. I think that, uh, they're totally gonna fight next. I think like if you're if you're Volkanovski and Makachev, they're both very well aware that a that's the biggest fight for both of them to make, and also I'm sure that they both want to get that one back for Makachev. You know, he uh, he took a lot of damage, and um, I, I saw Volkanovski said you know that he said that Makachev uh, said afterwards in his corner like all right I gotta I guess we'll have a rematch then. You know, like I gotta get that one back because he because he thought he lost. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you know, interesting, interesting stuff, man. Uh, any closing thoughts on the main event before we go and move on to the co-main, which was also a banger? I mean, there, there's so much we have to see that's gonna come up in in the next few months, right? Regarding what's gonna happen with the 155 title, who's gonna be defending it? Obviously, Carmichael return against Chandler, and. Obviously, 45 is an interesting place now that we got some high-profile matchups announced there. And some guys who are in the 45 division that haven't gotten fights announced that should be sometime soon. There's a lot. Yeah. Definitely going to be fun stuff in the lightweight division moving forward. And uh, we also got, like, because the rest of the division is finally starting to move. I feel like lightweight, uh, whenever it's actually active, it's the best division in the UFC. But... At the top of the division, there's a couple of divas in there, man. Like, they take a while to go ahead and fight. And uh, we got McGregor Chandler coming up. We got, you know, uh, Olives and uh, Benny. So that should be fun. But I think the fight to make next, regardless of all that, it's, uh, it's Volkanovski Makachev, too, let's be honest. Um, moving on to the co event, though, dude. Uh, damn, Yair Rodriguez is the motherfucking truth. I think at this point, if you're denying it, 
I don't even know what to say to you, man. This is a guy that is in, improving leaps and bounds. I think most people got to remember he like he just turned thirty like a couple of months ago. Like he came to UC so young. He was twenty four, I believe, when he came in. Um, that might I don't even know if that's correct. It was his early twenties, but regardless, I mean, he was a guy that came with a lot of hype and. He had some losses here and there, but dude, like his current streak, even, you know, since 2018, he's only lost once, and that was to Max Holloway in an absolute banger of a fight. And he goes out there against Josh Emmett, a guy with five fights in a row, five fight winning streak, excuse me, and he submits him in the second round, uses the body kicks beautifully, hurt him multiple times, and even then, El Pantera, he had to survive, he got knocked down in round one, he admitted post-fight, I don't even remember the fight past that. <laughs> But guess what? He went into autopilot mode, and once he went into autopilot mode, he beat the fuck out of Josh Emmett. Wins by second-round sub. Angel, two Mexican UFC champions. There's two more on the docket. We got Irene Aldana, who will probably be fighting for a title. She can beat Raquel Pennington. Um, and then also Alexa Grasso, uh, Shevchenko, next month. Dude, give me your thoughts on the co-main. What a that's performance a, by a year. That's crazy. Can you Could you imagine if those two gals won? I know. Crazy. Be a crazy year. Uh, they have tough fights and they have tough fights themselves though, so we'll have to see. Um, fuck, man. I even said it, dude. I, I, I don't underground, you know, on the ground. If it gets there, don't be surprised. If it's, I did not expect it though. I did not think it would end like that. It was a triangle, right? Triangle it was a triangle choke. Triangle choke, man. Yeah, no, fuck, dude. Beautiful kicks. Obviously, yeah. I mean, we said it in the pre-show, kicks are going to be a big thing. Uses range pretty well. Josh Emmett had some trouble going in there, man, and couldn't just – didn't get to land those bombs, didn't get his takedown. It was, it was just textbook. I, I think – yeah, I mean, Geiger fought the fight we expected. I think Josh Emmett was the one that we're, we we were wondering, is he going to be able to do the things that he wants to do? And I don't think he fully got allowed to do any of that. And it showed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fight speaks for itself. And uh, – and then, uh, and everybody had chosen Yair. I think Yair was the favorite going to fight, I believe. Not by a crazy amount, but it made sense. And, uh, everybody, I think everybody picked right. I was saying, I thought, everybody thought that Josh Emmett had a chance because of his, uh, his power. Yeah, it was definitely a factor. And obviously, like you said, Yair couldn't remember, uh, <laughs> a bit. So, fuck, man. Josh Emmett got some fucking hammers in his hand, dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, going into it, man, I, you know, same page. I, I thought that Yair was the favorite, but Josh Emmett has that one. He's got that one hit of quitter power, and you know, and you can't, um, you can't ever forget that. And dude, I mean, in that first round, I was like, man, Yair just pieced him up. This is way easier than I thought. And then he landed that bomb, and everything changed. And I think that shows you, Yair Rodriguez is fucking metal, dude. I mean, he fucking got knocked down. And admitted that, like, yeah, I don't even remember anything about that. I just remember fucking cinching in the triangle, and that's when I came to. And that's what he said. Um, he's like, oh, damn, you threw a fly. Someone told him after the fight, like, you threw a flying knee right after getting rocked. He's like, damn, did I? Like, it's just. <laughs> um, yeah, gotta watch that one back, man. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, here, man, what a dog. And um, I think him versus Volkanovski is more interesting than people suggest. I'll put it like that. I don't think I'd pick Yair, but uh, that dude is improving leaps and bounds every single time he improves. He's such a massive reach advantage. 
He's actually starting to put together, like, he's always, he's never had bad knockout ability, but he's always been kind of a guy, like, he'll throw more flashy shit with the intention of kind of, like, maybe throwing you off more than it, dude, no, he is, he's trying to kill you out there, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's finally figured it all out, so, um, yeah, look, I'm very, very excited to see what he does next. I think with Makachev being, um, likely fighting Volkanovski next, really, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll see who he fights. I think, uh, the Arnold Allen, Max Holloway fight, which we'll talk about later in the news section. Winner of that, possibly, but there's so much uncertainty, by the way, right now. But regardless, in terms of, uh, the fight itself, gotta get props day a year. What a performance and what a win and new interim champion. Uh, but look, dude, a lot of people showed out on this main card. Uh, moving one on down, Jack Delamada Lane, and we knew going into this one facing Randy Brown, biggest test of his career, didn't even didn't fuck man, I, didn't, I didn't, ex- didn't expect it to be like that, dude. What the fuck? Easily, easily dominates, gets a submission win inside of two minutes and thirty seconds. Jesus, what do you think about that one, man? This kid is just—he's he's unbelievable. A tr- he's the truth, man. We've been saying it. It seems like it, and and now it gets a guy like Randy Brown, who's been in it, man. He's been around a while. He's a name. He's an established name in this division. Maybe not—I don't think he's ever reached like super high rankings, but he's been ranked multiple times and very high. Deep, but not. I don't think he's ever been like top five or anything like that, right, Josh? Off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, fuck, man. I mean, Jack Delmonadena. He deserves competition. I think his next fight should be a ranked against a ranked opponent. I told Josh in the in the green room. I think 100 percent to fight to make his Vincente Luque versus Jack Delmonadena. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Vincente. He's not even booked right now, is he? Nope. That's that's another thing. He's available. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um. He's been out of action since he got fucked up by Jeff Neal. I, as a Vincente Luque fan, I'm not sure if that's the fight I want to see because he took a lot of damage um, and has been taking a lot of damage lately. But at the same time, I will also go ahead and say, like, if you're a uh, shit, I mean, if you're a uh, if you're a Jackson Amada Leda fan, that's the exact fight you're going to be wanting. Um, but I think that's probably the, that's probably the most logical booking right now. I think Neil Magny is a name that you said it in the green room. Some people are throwing out there, but we just, I mean. Why, why would you? Why would you do that fight? Like <laughs> that fight makes no sense to me personally. Yeah, I feel um, like you got to push Jack at this point. Like it's it's very clear he's knocked everybody out in the first round, or at least hurt him and then submitted them in the first round. Yeah, so. exactly. And, and we just saw Neil Magny like just a month ago. We saw him get washed by Gilbert. I don't know why. If you want to see Jack to the model lane and get tested, that's the guy you'd pick. So I don't I don't get that whatsoever. But anyways, I mean I think like in, in terms of there being fun fights from there is actually limitless possibilities. I think this kid is like a guy that I don't think too many people expected. I know that um before his debut, I think last he's only been in the UFC like for around like a year, right? I think he made his debut like uh, on the Ganu Gan card, I think. He's not even been around um, a year, has he really? Or has it been a year now? My I think it's a bit over a year. But regardless, um I know he fought I know he fought Pete Rodriguez in his, in his debut, who was short notice and. He tuned him off, and I don't think anybody expected this kid to be as good as he is. And he's, I mean, four fights in the UFC, for him to not even be tested is pretty crazy. So, Josh, you know how old this man is, too, which is the part that really fucks me up? He's, like, the only, like, 25-something, right? 26. 26. Oh, there you go. He just turned 26 last year, at the end of last year, near the end of last year. Crazy. I mean, he's, uh, yeah, he's a guy that I don't think anybody saw coming. Dude, um, that's that's so fucking scary. He has years. <laughs> he could be, he's going to be here more than 10 years, possibly. Yeah, there's a chance. Yeah, he's he's the truth. So I'm very excited to see where he goes. But 
Uh, yeah, man. Speaking of speaking of truth, uh, Justin Topper murdered Parker Porter inside of a minute. Not even close. <laughs> Dude, man, I didn't think it'd be that quick, man. Credit credit to fucking Topper, man. You know, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, I said whenever we were previewing the fight, I'm like, I think sometimes heavyweight fights just come down to who's the better athlete. I thought he was a better athlete, and he uh, made it look easy. I mean, he's either like, if he can get on the right track, he's still got some potential. He's still in his 20s, you know, relatively only nine fights, which is crazy to think about, only nine MMA fights. So he's still improving. He's still, you know, getting more experience under his belt. So I wasn't surprised to see him just decimate him. But, uh, yeah, impressive win nonetheless. Uh, that being said, more interested to talk about the main card opener. Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield. Jesus, these dudes went out there and beat the shit out of each other. Although, it does end in a draw, specifically because Alonzo Menafield was deducted a point in the third, I believe due to grabbing a fence. Do you, did you agree with the, the, uh, point being taken? Also, what do you think about the draw itself? Did you agree? Oh, I must have missed that, dude. And see, I just went back and forth between between the fights. I guess I might have just not been there when that happened. But it's all fights itself. It was a fucking banger. I thought Alonzo won uh, without even seeing the fucking fence grab. So, I don't know. Was it, Chris, was it a criminal fence grab, Josh? I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was actually kind of surprising at how uh, how quickly we took a point. But I don't know. I mean, it was a, I'll be honest. It was a, I saw also a fight. I was kind of like... <laughs> Scrolling back and forth on, you know, I gotta admit it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember thinking that Alonzo Metafield won. I didn't rewatch that one, but, um. I think everybody was on that same page. According to MMA decisions, it's the exact opposite. Apparently, most, really? people, just thought it was, most people just thought it was a draw. Metafield round one, Metafield round two, and then, uh, Crute round three. But it was a 10 8 round three because of the, uh, the point deduction. So, it is what it is. Um, in terms of the prelims, man, what'd you think? I thought this was a uh, pretty solid card, man. Man, the one that threw me off, Josh, was fucking Tyler Pedro. Mm-hmm. Losing to Modestas Bukakis. I did not expect that Tyson Pedro gassed himself out, right, or came in gassed, or was maybe not as good shape as he could have been. I don't know. I, I was definitely at a, a loss of words for this because he had looked so hot since the return. Granted, though, Level level competition. Very low-level competition. Very low-level competition. Basically the worst size they could have possibly given him. But but they... He was, but he they, did beat him and Yeah, I mean... He beat him so quick, though, it seemed like... I, I expected more out of him in this fight, and it was... I don't know. I, I was a little disappointed, but it's only one uh, since the return to it. Hey, man, that's just how it goes. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that um, afterwards, I saw it come out yesterday, that apparently he was sick. Very, very sick during the fight and was having a uh, stomach and like, uh, I can't think of what it, what it, the exact issue that he had. But yeah, he was, he was having a lot of stomach stuff. He was puking and he was very, very sick. So apparently that's why. And if you look at, I've never seen Tyson Pedro that out of shape. So yeah, kind of makes sense. Um, it sucks and it's a step back, but look, dude, I mean, this is almost always going to happen. There's a guy that's been at, fuck, dude, he took off like, for five years due to injuries. So this is always, he was always going to have some sort of setback along the way, but I think he'll be fine. Um, but now knowing that, like, he was sick, it makes a lot more sense in that context. Yeah, it, 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 that's why I brought it up. It, it threw me off so much. Like, it just didn't seem, uh, it just didn't seem like him that night. I guess it's kind of the easiest way to put it. That's probably the best way to put it. I mean, he's uh he's still an interesting guy, and I think that uh, still has potential because you mentioned that like you know he beat he beat some 
let's be honest, he beat the worst possible guys could be in, that it could have given him. But also, he annihilated those guys so easily to where you're like, oh, well, shit, you know, he is, he's legit, you know. When you beat yeah. the bad fighters that way, but, yeah, it sucks for him to lose. But I, I think he'll be back, and I think he'll be back probably relatively soon, honestly. But I think Bob wants to get that. Uh, he's been active since returning. But, um, I mean, what are the fights on the card, man? I mean, I thought Loma Lookinby. My girl, showing the, showing the fucking jujitsu skills, man. First sub win of her career, beating Elise Reed. Very happy for Loma Lookinby. Two wins in a row, four of her last five. She's coming on. But, you know, you mentioned a fight to your surprise, but your surprise with Tyson Pedro. I was way more surprised at, uh, Zuba losing. Zubra, uh, Tukov. Losing split decision. Granted, terrible decision. But the fact that the fight was even close was surprising me. What do you think about that one? Did you did you catch that fight on the opening the opening fight of the card? No, no, I didn't. But I did hear about the controversial at the time, at least on Twitter, controversial decision. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was it was a terrible call. I'll go ahead and put it like that. Now, granted, obviously uh, Zuba missed weight. It's kind of hard to feel bad for him. Fighting a short-notice guy, again, hard to feel bad for him. But I thought Zuba, like, I literally gave him every single round. Like, I don't even think it was that close. It was the, one of the worst decisions I've seen in a long, long time. Now, luckily, that didn't end up going on throughout the night because, really, that was the only bad call, you know, and then the main event was close, and that wasn't a robbery, but some people said it was. But, yeah, definitely, definitely weird, um, weird one. Uh, any, any closing thoughts on this card? Anything you want to talk about before we go ahead and move on to UC Vegas 69? I mean, nothing else. I want to give a good uh, quick shout-out to Joshua Kulibau, dude. He had a sick uh, fight himself. I don't know if he ended up catching that one. But he actually mm-hmm. ended up uh, – he was looking good. He was getting his kicks going. He was doing a lot of good work in the striking. And then uh, he gets kicked in the fucking nuts and action stops. And then going into – I can't remember if he was in the second round or or at the end of the first round. They come back to – they get into some exchanges. This man gets his back in the craziest fucking exchange ever. Like I said, if if you have time today, Josh, go back and watch that one and submit some very sick finish, very fun fight. If anybody wants to go back and watch one on the prelims, I recommend that one. Yeah, I did see that one. That was an absolute banger and super happy for him. Josh has stayed winning, apparently. Um, Oof. Yeah. Uh, and, well, it's not a man. We, we don't. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he, don't. He's not a... You know, he's yeah. not part of the, he's not part of the Josh. Oh, I mean, we don't, you know. <laughs> from from anyways. Um Yeah, man. Fun card, very, very fun card. Um it's card we got coming up this weekend. Uh definitely definitely interesting. Uh UC Vegas sixty nine going down from UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Short notice fight, dude. Uh Jessica Andrade, supposed to be Talia Santos. She's gone to who we just saw beat Laura Murphy to a fucking pulp a month ago. Going to be returning against cold-blooded Aaron and Blanchfield. In my opinion, the greatest prospect in the UFC. I've been literally there for this girl's entire journey ever since her uh, second pro fight. Um, she has just improved leaps and bounds from fight to fight to fight. And now she's in her first main event facing a former champ. This came out of nowhere, dude. She's only four fights into her journey, and this is just crazy that she would even accept this fight. What are your thoughts on this one, man? I'm giving you your uh, excitement level. This is better than this Holly Sanchez fight. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I, I, I don't know. I think they were, they're probably just about the same for me. But Holly Sanchez, or not the, Jessica Andrade, Josh. Holy fuck. The ultimate test for 
any high level prospect in the women's division, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a fighter that's bounced between, or not really bounced, but fought between two weight classes. Is she bouncing back and forth though right now? Or is she kind of just staying committed now to, to the one class? Um, well, she keeps on saying she's going to commit to one class and then stop, and then she doesn't do it. She said it like three or four times in the last like year, so. But you know, whatever. But, well, look, just just Drudge, the ultimate battle-tested female fighter, you know, been in there against everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is crazy because to me, like that Valentina Shevchenko loss doesn't seem that long ago, but it's back in 2021, and since then she's recovered well. Cynthia Calvillo, Amanda Lemos, Lauren Murphy, all three in a row. Lauren Murphy who challenged for a title not too long ago. I mean, she's right back in the title speaking picture, which is so crazy. Especially after having such like a, a pretty bad loss to, to to Valentina, I mean, I didn't. It was pretty dominant, obviously, ending in that crucifix position, which is so brutal. Um, she gets Aaron Blanchfield, the, the you know the 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 new gal on the street, you know, the young gun. She has all the hype, you know. She's kind of she's been being looked at, you know, the the main gal at this division with an extremely high skill ceiling, you know. I, I don't know, Josh. I I I I, ta- I told you, I wish they kept kept it going they would have kept building it up a little bit but uh i guess they're, they're sold on her they they want to see how far she can do it this is the ultimate test right here jessica andrade i don't think it's gonna go her way though josh i'm gonna pick jessica andrade i think it's gonna be a tough night out for her i feel like she's gonna make i think it's gonna be a very close and competitive fight i think aaron bashford would make a great showcase of herself and say put herself in a position to be uh well going forward in this division but she's not gonna get that shot of the title after this yeah so here's what's crazy about this, right? So I have big, uh, like I've been big enough Aaron Blanchfield for her entire career, right? I've, I've talked, I've written, I wrote, you guys can look at my shit, man. I wrote articles about her all the way back in like 20, 2018, 2019 for, for KHI Press, you know, back at, back when I worked for them. I, I have been very, very high on her for a very long time. She's improving from fight to fight to fight, but god damn it. This is the worst possible matchup to the point to where I don't even know why she would accept it. <laughs> Not even just that you're fighting Jessica Andrade, right? But let's look at this from, like, a stylistic point of view, right? Aaron Blanchfield, incredible grappler. And in terms of striking offense, depending on the opponent she has, she has some nice high kicks. You know, um, she's not terrible on the feet. She's composed. But she's very, very hittable. If you're very, very hittable and you're facing Jessica Andrade, just a fucking problem. The fact you're in the facts that Jessica Andrade is one of the strongest female fighters, not only across one, across two, across three weight divisions. She has wins of all the way up to 135, dude. She's actually won as high as like a 137 pound cat, wake up 140 catch weight before she was in the UFC. Like she's fought super fucking highly. And you're fighting that one? Like I had no problem picking Blanchard when it was Talia Santos or any of these fighters, I think this is just like it's too much too soon. So I'm gonna go ahead and take Justin Andrade, and it sucks to say. I, I don't I don't think I've ever picked against Aaron Blanchfield. I, she has one loss in her career that was a complete robbery. If you guys ever watched that fight, I believe against uh, Tracy Cortez, I think uh, she's gonna suffer her first real defeat on Saturday. But I think she'll come back. You know, she's got she's still only 23. And that's the big thing. Like if it sounds like I'm I'm downing on her, like. The fact that she's 23 in a main event against Tristan Andrade just shows her fucking skill level. So, um, yeah. I mean, I I just did not like this matchup. I remember, I think I sent you a message when I saw there was an answer. I was like, fuck. Like, <laughs> that's how it is, man. That's how fucking it is, Josh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but the girl's 23, Josh. I mean, she has an eternity. Well, yeah. 
She's gonna be yeah. here a very long time. I mean, she's fighting. Dude, Jessica Andrade has twenty-two fights in the UFC. This is about being number twenty-three. Jordan here, dude. And you know what year it is? It's twenty twenty-three. It's fucking written in the script, Josh. You're right. I think Aaron Blanchfield's gonna win. Nice. <laughs> now take it back. Well, well, Josh is like, actually, Aaron Blanchfield is twenty-three. The year is twenty twenty-three. This is Jessica Andrade's twenty-third fight in the UFC. Maybe I got the script all wrong, Josh. You were right. Oh my god. <laughs> oh no, fucking. Holy shit. No, I mean I don't. Uh, anyways, man. I mean I look. I, I like this fight a lot, actually. In terms of like, if I weren't such a big Aaron Blanchfield fan, I'd like the. I like I'd, I'd I'd like this fight a lot more. But uh, yeah, because I am. I now I'm kind of dreading it. But um, yeah, she'll be back. I think when there's a draw, she still has so much potential. And I think that um, this is a bad matchup, but the reality is she's got another decade plus in the sport, dude. I mean, she's so fucking good, and she's in, she's improving from fight to fight to fight. Like, I didn't expect her to go out there and fucking destroy Meatball Molly as easily as she did, but she did, you know? So, we'll see. Um, I'm, but for the moment, I'm taking Disney Andrade. This fight outside of the main event, and, and the main event, I don't, I don't want to be bitching about it. You know, like there's always like some women's main events where like they're actually kind of they're actually kind of shitty. You know, it's, it's kind of kind of shitty. But there's other ones where like, oh man, this is actually like a really good fight. People are like, oh, another women's main event. You know, and this is one of those fights where it's like it's actually a really good main event. The card below that sucks. Uh, <laughs> you know something though, there, there's some bangers here. No, no, don't do that. No, 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 Josh, don't defend Josh. Zach Crawford. The, the co-main event, Zach Cog and Jordan Wright, Josh, the ultimate one-round fight with Jordan Wright at minimum, Josh. No, no, I I agree, and I and I, and I actually like that fight. I, it's it's. But look, let's 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 run through that one real quick. Look, there's yeah, not a we'll lot. Talk of, the rest. There's there's not there's not a lot to say here. Jordan Wright, three fight loser win streak. He's he's a one-round fighter, Josh. Let's just be mm-hmm. honest. Now let's let's keep it as it is. All his fights end in the first round. It's probably gonna end in the first round again. He's coming off three losses. I think they're all finishes too. Well, obviously, they're all finishes. All knockouts of that. Uh, or actually, no, one submission in here. Regardless, though, not looking good. Zach Pacquiao, we saw him on the Ultimate Fighter, Josh. Very like, very likable guy, very measured, pretty good condition. He's fighting at 205 now, not heavyweight. So I think that's going to help him a fair bit. Coming out of that elevation team, though, we know all those guys. We, we know what comes out of that gym. I mean, there's guys in there like Neil Magny, Chris Curtis, Hava Garcia, Corey Sanhagen. You know, also name them all, Miranda. I mean, it's 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 a fucking stack ship, you know. Mm-hmm. So no shortness of practice in there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean this this is a nice one to get back to. Obviously, after losing to Muhammad Usman at heavyweight, yeah, I, I think Zappag has probably got this one locked in the bag pretty easily. It's it's kind of nice to see the former uh, Ultimate Fighter alumni return, mm-hmm. especially at a weight class where he's probably his natural weight class. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the fight goes itself, actually, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. That that being said, I mean, um, kind of, I kind of feel for Jordan right here. I mean, <laughs> it kind of feels like he's getting set up here a little bit. I mean, the Beverly Hills Ninja, I remember when he came in, and I don't want to say I had high hopes for him, but he had a couple of fights there where it was like, you know, he's actually looking pretty good, you know, um. Specifically, he knocked out Ike Villanueva. He knocked out Jamie Pickett. 
you know, he had a really fun fight with Joaquin Buckley. But three knockout losses in a row. I thought Zach, Zach Palga looked really, really good um, on the Ultimate Fighter for the most part. Even in the finale, whenever he lost to Muhammad Usman, he was tuning him up before he got caught. So I'm going to go and take him here. Um, but regardless, you're right. It's going to be a one-round fight no matter what. I mean, if, if you're going to turn if you're tuning in for, like, one fight on this card, this may be the one. You know what I mean? Um, but regardless, man. Rest of the card, I mean, let's let's talk about it. I mean, you said there's some good fights on the card. I agree, but I think this is another one of those cards where it's like, all right, the UFC's just throwing shit at the wall because they don't care about it. Um, but outside of those fights, where it's pretty clear they just fucking mailed it in, uh, we do have some good ones here. Um, William Knight versus Martian Pracnio won't – neither one of these guys are much good, but it should be a fun fight. The one I'm really looking forward to, Jim Miller. Alexander Hernandez. Jim Miller's been a guy that's been around for a long time. He's on a three-five winning streak, and because he's on a three-five winning streak, probably why they felt comfortable making this fight against Alexander Hernandez, a guy that is still he's not ranked, but he's been a guy that's still around that top twenty-five-ish area. Jim Miller's been mostly been the guy that's fighting older legends or unranked guys without Wikipedia pages that the UFC doesn't want to have, like doesn't give a shit about promoting for a while. That's has been his role. What do you think about the fact that he is fighting a guy now who is um, younger, you know, top 25 talent? What are your thoughts on that fight? I think it's kind of interesting. We haven't seen Jim Miller in that situation in a long time. I mean, it's interesting, man. Obviously, Alexander Hernandez. Do, do we know if the 145 experiment is over, Josh, with Alexander Hernandez? Is he going to come back to 155? Does he decide that? Uh, we have no idea. Because I, I, I do believe this was actually a shorter notice fight, right? I could be wrong. Regardless, though, um, fuck, dude. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a, it's a good matchup. You know, like Jim Miller's obviously won his last few fights, beat some younger talent at that. Uh, maybe not guys who we think are going to be moral beaters or anything like that. Uh, but like you said, he gets a shot at a, at a younger guy in Alexander Hernandez, who's oh man, dude, he's thirty. I mean, there's there's, there's time to get it together it just doesn't he's not able fully to put it together like there's something missing you know and it really was after that cowboy fight josh it's just it's just been that it's been that downfall Mm -hmm. and look early on you could blame it on on some of the competition right there were some tough fights in there drew dober obviously ranked dagomois is formally ranked not ranked right now but and even actually even hanato moicano now ranked you know looking at these now in hindsight they're really He's not losing to bad people. He's losing to good people. Even Billy Q, another good guy. Actually, now that I'm reading this all out loud, I think this makes sense. This is a step back in competition. He's fighting an older veteran, a guy who's well-established, who's on a win streak. He has his damn near 40. Yeah, but look, he's won his last three fights. Alexander Hernandez has not won his last three fights against guys near or close to his age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, this is a solid fight. I actually like this one a lot. It's just kind of interesting because we haven't seen Jim Miller in this position in a long time. And, like, nobody talks about it. But we're all just like, oh, yeah, look at Jim. Like, we almost treat him like he's a fucking child. We're like, oh, my God, look at Jim Miller go. Like, he's almost 40. Like, like good for him, you know? Like, no, <laughs> like, Josh. this dude's still a bad – I'm just saying. I've always thought, like, the kind of, like, the discussion around Jim Miller is kind of weird. Like, he's – like, we almost treat him like he's a fucking child. Like, oh, my God, look at him. He's still going. Oh, my God, he keeps on winning fight. Like, no, like, we don't got to – we don't got to talk about him like he's some fucking make-a-wish kid. Like, Jim Miller's still a bad motherfucker. 
who, like, I think if you give – he might win this fight. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's not only winning fights. He's winning fights in decisive fashion. And it took him winning three in a row against, like – and that fight against Cerrone was short notice, too. You know, he came in on short notice. It was supposed to be a <laughs> – well, that's the way it is. You know, that's the way people – I mean, is that not the way people talk about it, Angel? Have yeah, you not seen bit. the way other media people talk about Jim Miller's current career? You know, like, <laughs> it's true. You know, like we kind of treat him like he's, you know, just some. I don't know. And actually, it's supposed to come from like a good place, but we're all just like, oh my god, who would expect Jim Miller to still be good? And it's almost like you know, like a backhanded like compliment, you know. Um, but nonetheless, I am happy for him to finally get a crack at somebody who, like I said, Alexander is not ranked. I don't think he's been ranked. Uh, I think in like a year or two. But he's still a top 25, a top 30 talent who, like, you know, he lost to Billy Q and he lost to Hanato Moicano, but he was in those fights. Same thing with Tiago Moises, you know what I mean? So, so on and so forth. Still a very good guy. Interesting to see what happens here. Alex Hernandez must win. And uh, Jim Miller, if he wins this one, like, well, with, you can make a case that Jim Miller should be ranked if he beats Alex Hernandez. I hate to say it, but, like, four wins in a row, like, that's the lightweight division, that's actually pretty good. So, anyways, man. Um, rest of the card, outside of that one, that's one of my most excited fights on the card for. Uh, I mean, we got Lena Landsberg coming back, who doesn't really feel like it, but uh, we haven't seen, like, Lena Landsberg has been active, but I swear to God, I have not seen any of her fights recently. <laughs> like, I, like, according to Wiki, she fought Pianic Gonzaga, Carol Rosa. I don't remember a single fucking thing about either one of those fights. However, she is fighting Myra Bruno Silva, who I'm very excited for. Two wins in a row. Prior to that, she lost to Manifor but in her last five fights, only one loss. Interesting to see what she does. Um, and then, ultimately, you gotta give it up for OSP, Olvin St. Pru, coming back. 39 years old, coming off that win over Shogun Hua, taking on Felipe Linz, who, like, this dude's tapology. If you look at Felipe Lins' topology page, Angel. You got fuck trying to cancel that, dude. Crazy. Crazy. And it's all, it, it's all him, too, drop pulling out. Yeah, exactly. It's all him. I didn't even realize, dude, this guy's 37. Like, he's gotta, he's gotta get fucking active, cause he's running out of time, man. Uh, but yeah, any, any, uh, any fights I may have missed, any fights you wanna go and talk about that I may have discussed there? I mean, I, I like to bring up AJ Fletcher, man. He was a guy who came in hot on the Contender Series. Uh, believed he was coming out of Louisiana, Lafayette. You already know the connection there. DP, Dustin, they're cool. They're boys, whatever, right? The boys, yeah. He he had started his amateur career in 2019, had an amateur background. All his fights were basically in 2019 through 2021 when he became pro, so COVID years and pre-COVID and post-COVID. <laughs> so there you go. Uh Got a sick finish in the fucking Contender Series. A lot of hype there. Lafayette was loving it. Comes into the UFC. He's fallen short. Both unanimous decisions. Before that, he had won every single fight via decision. So, oh, being struck by reality hard in the UFC. Obviously, his kind of competition got harder. We kind of see how things got. But he's not fighting bad, though. It's just... He, I think he's just need to clean some things up. And he's fighting against... Uh, I believe you've seen newcomer, uh, um, yeah, you've seen newcomer in, what is this? Themba Grimbo. Mm. So, which should be interesting to see if Asian Flesh can get one back on the boards against a UFC newcomer. They kind of trying to help him out a little bit, but not necessarily too much, as obviously they're giving him an unknown in some capacity. Uh, I think the big fight on this card, Josh, that, that is kind of the, the main one for me is, and you didn't even bring it up, Josh. 
the man with the second best record in all of MMA is on this card. Oh, shit. Ashbabov, a 145er, 28 years young, out of Tiger Muay Thai, transit American top team as well, has has been out of the game since 2020. The UFC wanted to fight on the Contender Series. Bad motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe I forgot. UFC wanted him to fight on the Contender Series against Jerry Anderson and Berto, who actually ended up making to UFC, and has since then beat guys like Andre Feely and Lucas Alexander. So... You know, who knows how history would have gone there. He was scheduled to make his debut on UFC ABC 3 on that Yair and Brian, or, uh, Brian Ortega card. They did not come to fruition. He had to withdraw. Reasons unknown. Wasn't able to find him. Finally, 2023, he gets Jamal Emmers. We get to see him back in action and see if he can go and see if he can improve to 24-0. and 0. And I'm going to see how fast the UFC will push him. He's very young. He has a lot of time in this division. And like I said, the second best active record in MMA at this time. Can Jamal Emmers get it done? I'm almost selling it like if it's a fucking coma. And it feels like it should be with what's on the line. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about this fight, dude. Fuck. Um, yeah, man. And you, uh, this I, I, I fuck. I'm gonna butcher his name, and I feel so bad. Uh, Kaiusen Azgabov. As as Kukov. We'll definitely have to, we'll definitely have to hear this one on the broadcast. He's Chechen, all right. So. <laughs> You know he's bad. Not like bad, like a bad person, but he's a bad motherfucker. Well, I mean, we don't know, you know, but uh, anyways, but in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of fighting ability, goddamn, this this kid, we talked about him a lot, like in the green room, funny enough. I don't think we've actually ever mentioned him on air. Um, but if you look at this kid's record, 23-0, you know, coming fucking Chechen, which is always a problem, trains out of Tiger Muay Thai. If you look up his record, by the way, I mean... There's a little bit of can crushing in there. You know, he's fighting guys, and he's 8-0, 9-0, who was making their debuts. But for his last, like, 10 fights, he's, beat, he's been beating some good dudes with good records. Like, it's not just doing can crushing. So, um, I was surprised when they offered him the chance to fight in the contender series, mainly because I thought, like, fucking, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you can make this, this is the guy that you're going to make go through. But, anyways, yeah, I'm very happy that he's making his debut, dude. Props to you, good breakdown there. I think you remember that I, uh, couldn't even remember that he's fighting this card by that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we had to talk about it, man. It's, it's one of those things that hasn't gotten really a lot of attention. I think I don't think you've ever heard anybody talking about it, haven't seen any videos on it, because it's kind of, it's been settled. Like I said, he's been trying to fight for a while now, and fuck, dude, finally we get to see him and see what he's capable of. I mean, like I said, I, I believe the second best active record in MMA, uh, I think the uh, the only other two guys that are really up there right now. And there's some other guys that I've kind of kept my eye on. He's one of that I've known of for a while now. But, uh, yay. I mean, this is the second best record in MMA, and it's in the UFC now. The other, obviously, that we all know of is Bellator Yaroslav Amazov with a perfect 26-0. Yeah, by the way, speaking of him, we got a – I don't even know if, like, most people know this because I forgot it. He's coming back. It's coming up. Amazov's fighting next week. I don't think most people are paying attention to the schedule. I'm, that's one of my most anticipated fights right now, him and Storley. Coming back fucking uh, next Saturday, I believe. Which, by the way, if you guys are... Like, this weekend, not a big fight. Obviously, Blanchfield and Andrade should be a lot of fun. But it's not a huge fight. Angel, let me hear, let me give you this lineup for next Saturday. I don't know if, you, if you're on top of it. We got Paul Fury, Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. We got Floyd Mayweather, Aaron Chalmers. <laughs> Hilarious comedy. Uh, but we got Bellator... 291, Amasov versus Storley. 
Maybe he's got UC Vegas 70, which is, I believe, Ryan Spann versus Nikita Krylov. So, dude, the amount of combat going down that day. And I'm pretty sure I'm missing one, too. So, I mean, Tatiana Suarez returned on that card. Andre Bernays, Brandon Allen on that card as well. The oh, I believe, actually, you know what I think it is? I think Adrian Broner is coming back on uh, that day, too. Oh, shit. To be fighting, I, I can't remember the, the prospect's name. It's like Michael Williams, maybe. It's like twenty and one, and he's like a total can crusher. But you know, we'll see if, what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I like me some. I like I like me some Adrian Broner. I hate to say it, you know, he may not be the the best guy. He may not be the brightest guy. But hey, man, he got he got back in shape though. He got his shit together. Let's see how he does. Exactly, he's the can man. You know, anybody can get it. So interested to see him back, and we'll talk about that probably next week. But. Uh, anyways, man, uh, time to go ahead and break into the news because during the broadcast of UC 284, something that I have been hammering for a long time, I know a lot of other people have been as well, Lil Evil, Jens Pulver, the UFC's first lightweight champion, and for a lot of people, they don't even, there are guys that are lost to history, and, and, and it's sad when it happens. Guys like Frank Shamrock, kind of lost to history. Jens Pulver is another guy that was lost history. wasn't talked about by the UFC for a long time, partially because whenever he was the first lightweight champion, he beat uh, BJ Penn, he beat Dennis Hallman, the straight up said, you know, I'm dipping out. I'm fucking heading somewhere else due to contract issues. Came back a couple years later, got knocked out twice, got released, and they just didn't talk about him. You know, it seems like he's never going to make the Hall of Fame. He asked multiple times. He's like, yeah, I would love to be inducted. Nothing. <clears throat> but over the last couple of years, he's become on better terms with the UFC. He runs our Twitch channel. He does a lot of live streaming. He's a big gamer. And they uh, they inducted him. He didn't even know they had his reaction live on air. And, uh, dude, just... The UFC very rarely gets heartwarming moments, right? And they fucking did here, man. Jens Pulver, little evil, former champion, going in. Give me your thoughts. Well-deserved, man. Obviously, you got to give lots of love. It was very... I saw... I saw... Uh, I didn't watch it live, but I saw it on his Instagram because he posted it. And you could see it, man. You see how much it meant to him. It meant so, so much. Uh, it, it, uh, I don't, I don't know if surprise is the right word here, that that he felt that way. But I guess it was something that he had wanted so long. It made sense why he had such an outpour of emotion, and his son was there too with him the whole time. And it, I think that's one of the most genuine reactions that I've seen to any human being getting to cheat in the Josh. Like it was so pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw Jen Fulver. He went on the MMA Hour and he talked about it. And it's one of those things like. I brought a cheer to my eye, man. Like, like he, uh, he was talking about how, like, he, uh, he always, whenever he was, he gets the, he grew up, I didn't know this about Jen Pulver. I actually, I admittedly don't know much about the guy. Personally, I've watched people's Twitch streams and stuff like that, but I didn't know much about him personally. He talked about how, um, on the MMA hour, about how he grew up in a very abusive, uh, household. And, like, he remember one day he told us, I was like, you know, whenever I have kids, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be someone they can be proud of, you know, because I wasn't proud of my dad. And for me, and I guess, like, I don't know if his son helps him with his church channel or he's just home or whatever, but, like, he immediately came in on on stream and he hugged his dad. And they, it was such an emotional moment. He's like, you know, I, I always wanted him, like, you know, I just always wanted him to be proud of me because I wasn't proud of my dad, you know. I didn't want him to feel that pain that I, that I felt. And I was like, fuck, man. Like, fuck, I'm so happy for Jens Polver, man. I mean, if there's a guy, and if, and if you know, like, Jens Polver's past, I believe he, um, I'm going to try to find the documentary right now. Because he actually, I think he had a documentary made about it. Because he retired, I believe, at one point in like the early to mid two thousands, and they ended up coming out of retirement, and it was just got the shit kicked out of him, you know. Um, yeah, he he definitely did have a very rough end in his career, sadly. 
It was Jens Pulver, Driven. It, was, it came out in 2010. It was about his training camp, personal life, and difficult childhood. And uh, I watched that probably like a decade ago when it first came out. Not Holy shit. You watched it way back when? Wow. Like, well, not when it first came out, but around like 2013. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You need yeah. To say. You watched I believe he was in one around that time, and I'm pretty sure he got, got annihilated out. in one. He, it wasn't as bad as uh, our got, boy. I'm pretty sure that was a soccer kick had KO, right? Like, no, no, no. You're, oh, no, you're thinking of our boy, um, the Bellator guy. I can't think of his name right now. Yeah, no, but I'm pretty I, sure. I had a bad. It was bad, though. I think it was like knees on the ground or something like that. Yeah, but, you Jeff Fuller got fucked up, too. No, but you know what Jens Pulver has? He has that infamous, in my opinion, the worst nut shot ever in MMA history. That fucking Muay Thai kick to the nuts. Oh. You know which clip I'm talking about if you've seen it. Yeah, I I, I, am I, I believe I believe that has to be the worst nut shot in MMA history, Josh, that I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen a worse one. Jesus, yeah. Um, I can't believe I we can't remember the name of that guy. <laughs> he was on the Sports Illustrated cover too. I keep like I can't get it. We're not gonna get it. Just he literally just fought for Tricky Pitbull like two years ago, and it was a banger of a fight. If you guys have not seen it. <laughs> It was uh, uh it was uh, Roger Huerta. Roger, I Roger Huerta it, it was coming it was coming out. back to me as you were saying it too. Yeah, he got knocked the fuck out and won with the soccer kick and came back to Bell Tour in twenty eighteen. He had a couple of fights, lost them all, but the one with uh Patricky and Benson were both fun. So, you know, anyways. Um yeah, but more we're on the point of Jens Pulver. You see like guys like this that are just kinda lost history, and it always makes me really, really sad because I think like you can be so great. And you can have such, like, a great moment in the sun. And, for example, like, I put out a, a tweet, if you guys follow me, um, discussing my favorite uh, my favorite old fighter who was, um, I, he was, in, like, involved in, like, a trilogy, fought in WEC, and, uh, oh, my God, I can't, Olaf, uh, Olaf Alfonso, that's his name, excuse me, um, lost it for a train, train of thought. But that's a guy, like, who was in the WEC, and uh, he he put on tons of fights, and I got ton, I got a lot of guys from that era that were just like so entertaining, and nobody remembers them. It just kind of sucks to have those guys lost to history. If you guys want a fun a, a fun hour or two, Alonzo, Olaf Alfonso fought John Polakowski, who uh, trained with Chuck Liddell. They fought three times. <laughs> all three fights were bangers. All happened to the WEC. It was like WEC four, WEC fourteen, and WEC twenty four. Fun fight out Polakowski. He literally only fought four times. Three of those were against Olaf Alfonso. <laughs> Fuck. And the, the and he ended up so it's kind of funny. So his first three fights were against Olaf Alfonso, all just in a row. And he went to the Ultimate Fighter like five years after that fight, lost once, dipped, never fought again. But there's guys like that dude, like even Miguel Torres. Miguel Torres was thirty six and one at one point. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like holy fuck! Like whoever thinks about Miguel Torres. I actually do often. <laughs> Josh just sits in his room very quietly. I just, I just always think about Mikel Torres. I mean, there was, a, there was a guy in Bellator who I remember uh, started off like thirty-seven and zero, total can crusher, like the biggest can crusher, and uh, some Mexican dude lost once or twice, and I don't think he ever fought again. And um, yeah, so I mean, those guys do have those guys do happen. They'll just take one loss or like I'm out, you know. Um. You know someone who I miss a lot from, like, way back in the day is Eve Edwards. Oh, dude, Eve was fucking entertaining as fuck back in the day. See, I just miss him at the weigh-ins, dude, coming in with his snacks. Like, that was just so, it was like his uh, trademark thing that I just loved. By the way, I found out this kid's name. 
Julio Cesar Neves Jr. This kid's only 28, by the way. He started off 30-0, two wins inside Bellator, got submitted by Jordan Parsons, RIP. Um, and then uh, he just, I, yeah, I guess he asked out, for you, out, asked out of his contract or whatever, because he's just, he fought four more times against in the regional promotion, never fought again. Yeah. Crazy. But, um, it's just anyway. too much. Damn, he's 28. He could make a return. I know. I know. He fought hey, you guys should look at Staphology, because some of those fights are just hilarious. And I, I remember because it's like 30-0 versus like 0-2 or some shit. Like, <laughs> Dude, Austin, what about 21-0 versus 0-0-0? Who's that one? That was him. He fought a guy. He fought like multiple guys. Who had no oh, record. my God. I, it's even worse than I remembered. <laughs> Um, God, dude, that is that is comedy. Anyway, he, man. he fought in twenty twenty one though. He didn't fight that long ago. He should make a comeback. Yeah, why not? Why not? You know. Um. Anyways, man. Um. Next up on the news, I kind of went. I said it earlier, but we can kind of go and talk about it more in depth now. Uh, Max Holloway, blessed, been out of action since last July when he lost to Volkanovski. And in fact, we haven't even heard much about him. You know, we we were all wondering, where is Max Holloway? Well, Max Holloway is here. He is back, boys. And all of that, he, he'll be making the trip down to Kansas City. Let's go, baby. UFC KC, April 15th, Max Holloway versus the almighty Arnold Allen. Dude, banger of a fight. I'm so happy they're getting five rounds. Give me your thoughts on this one. Banger, man. I mean, it's it's very deserving. It's the right fight to make. I think I might have even said this at the time after Arnold beat a... Uh... Oh man, who did he beat? Wasn't uh, Dan Hooker? Hooker? He had another fight after that, didn't he? Oh, Cater. Cater, that's who it was. Yeah, no, it's he needed this. He deserved it. He finally gets his. You got you got his first name in. I think he had look Sadiq Yusuf a name in the division, right? But you know, not the biggest name. Dan Hooker has some weight to it, but he was coming down from forty five. He's coming off losses. Calvin Cater coming off. Uh, contra- somewhat contra- close fight, controversial against uh, Josh Emmett. Before that, had to beat Giga. Obviously, we know about the Max Holloway result. Uh, but now, Arnold Allen gets to one of the toughest tests, if not the toughest test of his career, after Calvin Cater. Max blessed Holloway. Uh, I mean, this is the ultimate test, right? For Ronald Allen. This, this will be it. Um, this is his shot to get to that title or title shot opportunity. And, and he has one man standing in front of him, and that's Max Holloway. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it is the fight to make. And without getting into, obviously, picking fights, all of this, breaking it down a little bit, this will show, I think, uh, it, it's interesting how these uh, there's these two sides to this fight right now. Because for Max Holloway, it will show us how much is left at 45 and how much is left in Max Holloway, for one. And for Arnold Allen, I mean, I'll show us what his potential is. What mm-hmm. can it be? We've seen it, but look, they, they don't come with some little bit of a complicator injury, right? But, you know, Arnold caused that, you know, during the fight. You know? But it, it, people are always going to have that in the back. Some people have that in the back of the man. Dan Hooker coming off losses. You know, before that, the man couldn't had, – Arnold Allen had not gotten a single finish in the UFC. He finally gets one against a guy who had been having a hard time. So, and Sadiq Yusuf was his other ranked win, which, like I said, Sadiq Yusuf is good in his own right, but, uh, you know, there, there's a little missing there. So, 
that's like that's the big thing going into this fight that each guy has stuff on the line, stuff that that means something going forward in their in their career. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad you went and you laid it out like that. Um, because Arnold Allen's a guy that we clearly see has so much talent, but Dan Hooker in the middle of a losing streak, you know, Calvin Cater coming off a very controversial loss and that fight ends in an injury. We kind of, I don't know if we've seen the, the absolute best out of Arnold Allen. And I think this fight will show us everything he's got. And I'm very excited for it. It's best for Max Holloway too, man. I think because of the uncertainty right now, at 145, this kind of gives Max Holloway a chance to, like, I don't think everybody expected it, but kind of, like, redeem himself and to become back in the, the title picture quicker than expected, especially if they make that uh, rematch with, with Mokhtev Volkanovski. There's a decent chance Volkanovski wins. He just says, fuck it, you know? He already told you out here, like, hey, man, if you want to defend that interim belt, he said on the MA hours, like, dude, like, fucking go for it. Like, I don't, you know, I, don't, I, I got other business to tend to. I don't know if I'll be back. So if Max Holloway wins this, Arnold Allen wins this, doesn't matter who wins, title shot next, almost damn near guaranteed. I mean, especially if you look at the rest of that division. I mean, no real options outside of that. So I like the matchup a lot. I like the five rounds, and I'm very happy about it. So it's kind of my it's kind of my closing uh, thoughts on there, man. But um, some news that kind of flew under the radar, and um, it always pisses me off. And I'm gonna do a little bit of a rant here, Angel. Oh man, um, I'm so excited because, to hear it. Uh, you know what's funny is like okay so are you angry I don't, under, I don't understand the people that are in this space that work as media members and they work in, for fucking company I'm not going to name any names because you know I want to try and you know advance my own self and I don't want to you know insult people directly but the reality is, is you have people in this space and you have media members and you have analysts and you have all this shit and they talk so much about fighter pay but when there's actually fucking changes that happen which will impact fighters they say fucking nothing. They say fuck all. Nothing. You know, there, there were two, <laughs> there were two publications who published about the UFC's contracts changing. One was Bloody Elbow, one was BJPen.com. That was it. You know who posted about the Ali Act? Same fucking thing. It's always been us. So, just saying out there, you know, if you guys actually want to do some fucking journalism, you can. It's, it's a real fucking thing. But anyways, UFC contracts change. Um, first reported by Bloody Elbow, later corroborated by us as well, uh, corroborated, excuse me, and we reported on it. So anyway, so essentially, um, Francis Ngannou obviously was able to leave the UFC, pretty much tried to take this big stand. So a lot's changed, uh, since that time. We don't know when these changed, but within the last couple of months, it's a pretty safe bet, uh, last, like, three, this is the last minute I saw given him. Uh, essentially, the UFC instituted a lot of changes, notably... There's, like, a couple of bold points that we can go ahead and hit. Uh, basically, one of the major changes is that if they have any issue with the UFC and they sign the contract, they are no longer t- allowed to take them to court directly. They'll have to go through arbitration. Now, that if you guys aren't aware of that means, essentially, arbitration is the same thing as going to a court, but you're doing it privately. The results of whatever legal matter you have will not be publicized, will not be made known to the media, other fighters, which could be an issue when it comes to other fighters negotiating their contracts and so on and so forth. Furthermore, it's also done in-house. So I'm sure you can guess who the UFC will side with when it's the UFC who is deciding on the if the UFC's done anything wrong. Uh, granted, there are sometimes a third party that is brought in, but it's also typically hired by the company that's doing the arbitration in the first place. So that'd be the UFC. Um, yada, yada, yada. If you, it also, if you sign the contract, you're not allowed to join a class action lawsuit. 
Angel, this is big news because I'm sure we talked about the show before. UFC's already being sued. <laughs> Uh, they're being sued by two different, uh, they currently have two different class action lawsuits going against them. If you sign the contract, you're not, will no longer, you won't, even if the suit goes through, even if they're found, the UC's a monopoly and so on and so forth, you won't be getting any money from that. Um, da, 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 da. And also, basically, you know how like UC, they say they have to offer people so many fights, uh, per year or whatever? That's always kind of been bullshit. Essentially, the UC, prior to, I believe, 2018, um, if you turn down a fight, they're able to extend your contract for another however long it takes. They can extend it for as long as six months. And they had, um, prior to 2018, they were able to sh- keep your contract going in perpetuity. If you kept on turning out fights or declined to fight or whatever the fuck happened, right? So that's no longer, that's back to being how it was before. So essentially, if you decline fights, if there's no reason why, you, if there's a reason why you can't fight, they're allowed to extend your contract forever as long as they fucking want to. And lastly, the biggest one is a sunset provision, which allowed that Francis Ngannou to leave. You know, Angel, he signed five years ago, and that's why he was able to leave, right? So that clause won't kick in until after the fighter's first fight on the contract. And the biggest change is with that sunset provision, if you're under suspension, those days don't count. That doesn't sound like a big deal until you realize fighters are under athletic suspensions all the fucking time from the State Athletic Commission. You saw the suspension one count, and also the UFC, for example, our boy Jeff Molina is currently suspended. This is an ex- one example, you know. He's suspended by the UFC directly because he broke their code of conduct. If you break their code of conduct, which they decide on a whim to use half the time, those days will not be counted towards your contract. So that's essentially the big changes. Um, I know it's a lot of information, but I feel like I had to put it out there because we talk a lot about this shit, and I feel like it's an important subject, but, I mean – I don't know, man. Anything you want to add? Any? Uh, have you heard any of this news? No, I, I hadn't. I'm, I'm glad you shared that. I'm I'm happy to know that now. Yeah. Um. Just just interesting. Just interesting that. It, I mean, they immediately uh immediately switched up. So as soon as he got me left, which you know, um, yeah. And when, just, when just did terrible. when did this all come out? Like when did all this? Uh, it was reported last uh, Friday. And uh, we're the only two. There's only two that picked up the story. So, yeah, just 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 a little small, just little small changes that could prevent you know a, another Ngani from happening, which was like the biggest story that we've had in fucking forever. But fine, let's not talk about the fucking problems. Um, yeah, man, just just fucked up. And 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 I'm sure a lot of people are like, how is this legal? How is this possible? Well, when it comes to stuff like contracts like this, um, I believe there's like a Supreme Court hearing back in like 2018, which gave significantly more power to businesses when it comes to stuff like this and arbitration class action lawsuits. Uh, so they're allowed to do it, essentially. And until they go to court and somebody calls their bullshit out on it and takes them to court directly, it's not going to change. So that's how it's legal. Welcome to America. But anyways, Angel, we mentioned Francis and Ghana. And this is the last bit of news for the day. And I kind of put it in here as I come on the last one. Kind of be more uplifting. So Deontay Wilder has been negotiating with Andy Ruiz for a while. Not on, now it's not really a big story, but um, it's it, they got ordered to fight back three or four months ago. We've had zero movement on that front, and uh, it seems like I've heard reports Deontay Wilder's camp is getting a little bit fucking frustrated. <laughs> not only not only with Ruiz, but PBC because apparently that you know they're having scheduling issues because they don't have much money, they don't have much cap. Um, so. He said uh, in an interview recently, hey, Francis Ngannou, you want to fight? I'll fight you in boxing, and 
I'll go over and fight you in MMA. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's do it this year. Angel, any interest in this? I think uh, it's, I think this is way more feasible than Tyson Fury's plan of let's fight in a fucking 80-foot structure off of, like above a building and we'll have a special guest referee and yada, 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 all that <laughs> bullshit. Um, this is, I mean, this is a way more realistic option, and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, give me your thoughts on it, man. Do you want to see it? I'm GTF, Josh. <laughs> I want all it. right, well, I mean. <laughs> I want it. I mean, how do, what else can I tell you? Yeah, fair enough, man. Um, I definitely want to go ahead and see it. I think it's – okay, look. And whenever Ganu said he was going to go ahead and go to boxing, the reality is, is that I was never particularly interested in, in a lot of the potential matchups. I was never interested in Fury. I think Joshua seemed more interesting, but even then, you know, eh. But this one. This one is by far the most the most interesting because Deontay Wilder and Ganu, they're both – I mean, what do you, I think I think Wilder doesn't get credit for his his boxing ability. I think sometimes he goes balls out, but other times you know he's actually pretty pretty competent. This is going to be two swinging for the fences, and I love that shit. So um, I mean, yeah. I mean, Josh, it's the two most powerful men in combat sports. Yeah, exactly. The two hardest hitters and on the planet, boxing and all time, and they, they get to and they get to cross paths potentially. Like that's an amazing selling point. It is, and not only that, but they would be fighting. And I think a lot of people have kind of lost their attraction in these MMA versus boxing matchups because it's always, I mean always, it's always ending up with the fucking MMA guy going to boxing, and we're all trying to pretend to ourselves like, oh, yeah, man, he might really, oh, no, never mind, he lost. All right, well, you know, like, like it's, But it's, stylistically, it, this one's interesting, though. This one's interesting not only because of, of their power, both men's power, but also the fact that, hey, if, if Wilder is legitimately interested in coming over, fuck yeah, man, let's go. Like, that's super interesting. Make that fucking money, baby. Yeah. But, anyways, man, I mean, that's kind of all my thoughts on this one. Any closing thoughts on uh, on this? No, I mean, we just needed that. Hopefully that news develops more, and we can talk about that one more in depth once stuff kind of starts coming out. Obviously, next week's going to be... A very jam-packed week with all the combat. Obviously, Jake fighting is going to be very fun for us to get to see him back. Um, obviously, you, you know, I, I don't even know if it would be even a better card, but maybe slightly better in your C card. Regardless, though, we've been spoiled this year with some of the big fights and high-profile names returning, so we can't really complain, can we? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Tough is about to start getting filmed here very soon. So... I mean, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of content that's to be coming out soon, and basketball's about to start heating up, Mark Madness is about to happen, Super Bowl just ended, you know, so. And we, we didn't say it on the show, Josh, at all. We haven't mentioned it yet. Mm-hmm. We just hit 800 subs on fucking YouTube. 800. Let's go, boys. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I just, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to go ahead and end the show with that, man. Um, So much, so much love and so much support from, from a lot of you guys lately. In terms of, you know, even just like just looking at like um, our analytics on YouTube and seeing how many people will watch a video and come back and we're getting a lot more returning viewers and we're getting more subscribers and everything. And it's just it's been a lot of fun. And I know that, you know, Angel appreciated. I know that I appreciated it, too. You know, man, it's just uh, it's crazy. And the growth that we've had over the last month or two it has just been astounding. So thank you to everybody who supported. We were stuck at 700 subs for like. Ever. So, 
I, I do very much appreciate everybody who's, uh, you know, subscribed and, and listened to the content recently. So thank you for that. And if you guys really want to follow us on social media, I'm Ashraf Shadon on Twitter. He's at Angel Ortega and Chor01 at Quartet Sound for all things related to the show. Once again, quick shout out, uh, of our sponsors, Rogue Energy and Elixir Code. Sound off for both of them for 10% off. And, uh, well, that's about all we got. Peace and butt grease. Mouse click.